The Proverbs chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. Uh, we're going to actually look at the same verse in four different translations. And one of the reasons that we do that is because uh, translators are human beings, and they make their best call on translating any line of scripture out of its original language. So when we look at multiple perspectives, it gives us kind of a 360 view of the idea or the intention behind this Bible verse. Here we go. Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 23. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Oh, like you're almost there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Oh, we ramped it up a little bit. I also want to make mention, if you use the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, uh, there's all the notes in the Bible verses for today already on your phone. If you hit the more button and then you hit events, you'll get to Engage City Church and we'll hook you up with all the notes for today. I think I'm ready. It sounds like you're ready. Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Just hold it there, Keith. Uh, I just want to also do this. Can we just turn around? The gentleman in the back, Keith, say, thanks, Keith. Keith Keith hooks us up with all the Bible verses, all the words for the songs. And normally people don't turn around and look at them in the back unless something's going really wrong and then all the condemnation goes that way. So I just thought we'd send some love to the back today and make sure that happens. Uh, Above all else, guard your heart. Now, When we hear this language, we're going to look at a few different other ways of saying this, but when we look at this language, I don't know about you, but when I think about the year, sometimes you look at the year that was, and you look at the year that's coming, and you go like, I... I really like this idea of guarding my heart because that means I get to protect myself because I went through 2017 and I feel like I went through the ringer and you might even feel like you've been through a roller coaster and you're like, wow, what I need in 2018 is is protection. What I need is just like huddle down and and hide out and just make it through because if 2018 is anything like 2017, I don't know if I'm gonna make it to the other side. And so we look at a Bible verse like this and it says, above all else, guard your heart. And for you, that means above all else, shields up (laughs) above all else i'm blocking off all relationships above all else i'm gonna i'm gonna hide behind something because 2017 hurt in 2018 isn't gonna hurt me so yeah above all else i'm gonna guard i'm gonna hide i'm gonna protect i'm gonna carry a shield i'm gonna just pull back a little bit but we read it in in the new living translation it says the same thing guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life the interesting thing about that statement is that if you go into a purely uh, defensive posture, if you go to hide and you just go to protect yourself in a corner somewhere, that determines the direction of your life. So if you're not happy, if you don't feel like you're moving forward, it could be because you're pulling back, withdrawing, hiding, and you're standing still instead of moving forward. So we look at taking a defensive posture to protect ourselves, but it's my theory this morning that the best way to guard our heart isn't, in fact, to put the shields up. The English Standard Version reads it this way. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for, 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 uh, for from it flow the springs of life. The NASB says it like this. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. Guard, keep, watch, keep, watch, and guard. Reminds me of a story that Jesus told in Matthew 25. Keith's going to help you out. I'm going to read it from the original reprint. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his mind to them while he was gone. 
He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. I mean, (laughs) that is going to cause some awkwardness with the employees. (laughs) You are better than this guy. You're not as good as this guy, and you are the worst. Here's one. (laughs) The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Literally, okay, here's a bag of silver. Let me just go and dig a hole in my backyard so I don't lose it. Because how irresponsible would you be to lose that one bag? You had one job. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give them an account Uh, of how they had used his money. Uh Uh-oh. The servant to whom he entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have, done, you have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And he's like, Great, more work. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. That is terrifying or exciting, depending which person you think you are in the story. You're like, wow, this is going to be a great year for me. Let's just go home. Let's wrap it up right here. I got all the talents, literally all the silver, you know, all the bags of silver. Uh, I don't have any bags of silver to give you, but Jesus uses this story to, to offer some insight, and I believe it can offer us some insight as we begin this journey into 2018. I'm calling today's message Gains. It's all about the gains, bro. It's about the gains. Psalm 37 says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly, and that is good news. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fail, for the Lord holds them by the hand. The, in 2002, the British National Olympic cycling team, anyone up on their British National Olympic cycling, uh, They hired a new coach because for 76 years, they did not win a gold medal in cycling at the Olympics. That is a long drought. I mean, here in Edmonton, we know about the decade of darkness, the Edmonton Oilers, and we're right back in that decade, starting a new decade of darkness right here. 5-1 yesterday was a disgrace. Anyways, we know what that feels like to go a long time without winning anything. 
And so they decided something had to change. So they hired a new coach, David Brailsworth. And he decided that there was no way that they could just win a gold medal if they just decided that they were going to get better. <laughs> They're like, that is, that is too big of a leap. It's too big of a stretch. If we just say, okay, our goal is just to win, it's not going to work for us. Because sometimes we, we think so big that we shoot ourselves in the foot because we get so distracted by the enormity of what's in front of us that we just shrivel back and hide and we go, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So David decided to do something different. He started to build a winning program from the bottom up. His theory was that the aggregate of marginal gains was more important and more impactful than one big change. To break that down in plain language, because I had to read it four times. If you do the little things better, over and over and over, eventually the little things will add up to the one or two big things and make a bigger impact. He decided that the British cycling team would attempt to be 1% better in everything. Nothing was too small. They started doing all kinds of weird things. They discovered that when their cyclists were in Britain and they were at home, they actually race better. They race better because they got a better sleep, because they slept in a better posture, because they were used to their mattresses and they were used to their beds. So when they made a 1% improvement, the first thing they did was they began to travel with their own pillows. They were those guys. You know, you're getting on the airplane, you got your whole big pillow, you're like, what a loser. Who brings their own pillow? It's like, apparently these guys do because it made them 1% better, but then things escalated. They realized that not only were they that much better because they had a good night's sleep, they said, we can get even better. So they started traveling with their own mattresses. How do you even pack mattresses and bring them on an airplane? Do you roll them up? Like, I don't know, like, maybe it's just, I, like these hipster guys that buy mattresses off the internet on Facebook. Maybe it's those things that are rolled up in a box. I don't know how they did it, but they started making all kinds of changes that made no sense to everybody else. In fact, they were the mockery amongst all the cyclists because it's like, why do you think you're going to win a gold medal if you just sleep better at night? But it wasn't just about sleeping better. It was about eating better, exercising better. They, they realized that they weren't going to get better at doing uh, increasing their time overall. So they decided all they were going to work on was work on their starts. If they could get off the line faster than everyone else, they wouldn't have to make up as much ground. All they had to do was become 1% better. By the 2008 Olympics, in six years, they won 70% of the gold medals available at the Olympics. 2012 Olympics, again, 70% of the Olympic gold medals available by making 1% changes. You and I, when we look at our lives, we look at these things, we have these goals. You know, I don't know what your goals are, but I could probably guess if we Google, it's just like the same as what the Google results are, which is, you know, maybe you want to lose some weight, want to exercise more. I can tell you, uh, we were at the, Craig and I were at the gym the other week, and the lineup was so long. And people were so angry. I'm like, why are you so mad? They're, I'm here in this line. It's like, okay, just wait two weeks. There'll be no line. It's just it's totally fine. Uh, we set all these huge goals, and we're just going to change everything. We're going to change all the things. We're going to do all the stuff. It's like, like I'm going to read. Uh, I, I have a friend. He's, he's like, I'm going to read the New Testament this year. I'm, I'm like, great. He's like, I'm going to do it in 30, hours, uh, in 30 days. I'm like, okay, that's amazing. He's reading for three hours a day. That's fine on Christmas holidays. I mean, 
I'll check in with him next week, see where he's at. But we like, we're like, hey, what's the biggest thing that we can take a, a bite out of? Because maybe if we, just, if we just can latch on to this one thing, then all my life will change. Maybe it's like an income level. You're like, if I just do this, 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 and this, if I start this business, if I join this group. No, no. What if I told you that moving into 2018, the best thing that you could do is think small instead of think big? You're like, this sounds motivational. It is. The Bible's motivational in Lamentations, which is a book about complaining, when he says, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. So if the book of complaining in the Bible has this portion of scripture that says, great is your faithfulness, your mercies are new every morning, then I can say, great is your faithfulness, your mercies are new in 2018 as I move forward. God, you have a great plan. You've got a great future. You've got a great destiny for me. The best is yet to come in 2018 because 2017 was a piece of work. But 2018... It's brand new. It's a brand new horizon. And if you want to live in a brand new horizon, you've got to little bit di- live a little bit differently. So don't think big. Think small. Zechariah, which is a book we don't get to often in the Bible, it says it this way. Don't, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I would suggest for your consideration that we hate the idea of small beginnings. But the thing that we hate even more is seeing the work begin. We think a lot about it. We wrestle a lot with it. We come up with great plans and strategies. I just ordered one of those uh, one-year journals, uh, planners, that like you put all your goals for the week. I'm like, this is not going to work. But I spent $35 on it, so I'm going to use it for three days for sure. And... Uh, I already opened it up. I'm like, I'm, this is not going to work for me, but that's, that's fine. If we go back to Psalm 37, I want us to, to focus in on this one line. We like this first part, and we'll talk about it later. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. But this is the part I want us to look at. He delights in every detail of their lives. He delights in every detail of their lives. Now, you might have heard this phrase, the devil is in the details. In 2018, I would suggest to you maybe Jesus could be found in the details. If we look at the 1%, the the reality is we like to look at the big things because we're afraid of the small things. We're afraid of the small things because we're, we're afraid that if we begin to look inside, we have to look inside that closet where we keep all of our secrets, our shame, our pain, and our loss, and our heartbreak, and, and the things that we don't like about ourselves. We're afraid that if we, we go open up that closet, it's all going to spill out, and it's going to just, just be there for everyone to see. We don't want to touch that. We want to tackle something big and awesome and, and sexy looking, something that's going to change the life, but what if we just went into the nitty-gritty? What if we dug down into the details? Now, here's the most freeing part about this Bible verse. At square one, wherever you are right now, no matter what bones are in the closet, Jesus delights in every detail of our lives. He finds delight in the small thing. He finds delight in the details. He doesn't find, it's not conditional. See, when you look at the small things, when you look at the details, when you look at the things that you're afraid of and the things that you're ashamed of and the things that you think that nobody else notices, but we do. 
you look at it like it's X factor with a big giant X across it. And you go, oh no, oh no. If they only knew, if God only knew, uh, he does. <laughs> He's God, omnipotent, omnipresent, all things, everywhere, all times. See, when you look at it, you see a mark of shame and a big X. When he looks at it, he sees a big green check mark, and he looks at it, and he says, oh, man, you see what I could do with that? You look at it as this is, this is a mark applied against you. He looks at it, looks at it as, a, as a mound of clay ready to be molded. He's like, do you know what I could do with it? If you would just let me in here, I could take this thing, and I could build this thing. I could create it. I can work together. We can build this thing. We can work this thing. Why are you afraid of this? This is amazing. And yet we look at him like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe he's looking at that. Don't despise the small beginnings. you got to start somewhere. You look at it as shame. Jesus looks at it as potential. So what if for just one moment we made this pledge, this commitment to ourselves and to one another that says, I'm going to be better 1%. My 1% is I'm not going to look away when it's time to deal with the details. You might even find yourself crying out, Jesus, just just work out the details for me. I don't want to have to be involved. I don't want to get my hands dirty. This is, this is painful. This is scary. We cry out. And he said this to the Apostle Paul, and he says this to us in 2 Corinthians 12. Each time he, you cry out, he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Apostle Paul, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. I take pleasure in the insults, the hardships, persecutions, the troubles that I suffer. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because if I'm weak and I'm aware, then I'm giving Jesus some room to work. I'm giving him some room to work because I'm like, listen, I can't do it by myself. I can't do this by myself. The truth is we can't get 1% better by ourselves. You can improve marginally by working on a few things. You can put your hand to the plow. You can work hard, but all you're doing generally is working on the things that you like and you're running from the things you don't like. Through the power, the strength, the grace, the mercy, the life that is found in Jesus Christ, we can boldly stand and confront the things that scare us the things that hold us back, the things that we don't like about ourselves. And together with him, we can reach into that closet and we can start cleaning it out. What if 2018 was the year of the clean closet? I mean, not my actual closet. That's a miracle. (laughs) The one inside where we keep everything else locked up. Because there's another promise found in Philippians 1.6. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Can I tell you what the good news about this is? You might look at yourself, and this is real. This is just getting honest. We're just getting stripped back. We're just starting the year off right with complete honesty. There's a good amount of people in this room that look at our own lives, and we look at ourselves, and we go, there is not a whole lot of good here. If only I was somebody else, if only I lived somewhere else, if only I had a different job, if I just got that job or that appliance. I mean, my God, those new fridges that tell you when to go to the grocery store, that's amazing. 
If only I got those, this thing, then I could be who I want to be. Then I would love myself. Then I would accomplish something in this earth. But here's the best news of all. God, who began the good work within, within you, will continue his work, which means there is good work within you. That God started the good work in you. That even if you look back on yourself and you say, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck, I'm I'm, I'm nothing. No, God says, no, listen, you're not nothing. You're something because I started a good work within you. Maybe we got to roll it back all the way to the beginning. Look at square one and say, I'm going all the way back to the good work that God started with me. But there is good inside of you. And Jesus wants to take that and he wants to amplify it. You can't do it by yourself. You have to say, in my weakness, then I am strong. Don't despise the small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So I guess the question is, where, where are we getting started? When are we getting started? We gonna, I, that's why I, my sleeves are already rolled up. I went to the uh, Spruce Grove Saints game on Friday. Shout out to the Saints. Uh, not a victory, but next time we'll get them next time. Uh, don't learn from the Oilers. It's, they're the worst. Uh, my hope is all, all my hope is lost, but it's placed in Jesus. So it's fine. Connor McDavid, I take my hope out of you and I put it back into from McJesus to Jesus in Jesus name. And, uh, Everett's five and he was with me and he was following me into the stadium. And I'm like, you know what? You're five, a little independence, you know, it's probably a good thing. Uh, but Everett, uh, you know, like any kid, gets easily distracted. And so the first thing we get out of the car, uh, and we're at, you know, by Central Park, and he's like, Dad, these lights put joy in my heart. <laughs> like all the Christmas lights. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's great, bud. Great. Uh, joy in your heart. That's good. It makes me so happy, Dad. Should we go to the game or like, don't, I'm not emotionally equipped to handle this. Uh, talk, tell your mother about the lights. Um, no, it, it, it was awesome, and, but he's so distracted by the lights. I'm like, okay, well, let's go. And usually he'd hold my hand, but dad, I, I, can, I can do it. I'm like, great, cool. Uh, I've got issues because I just don't want to ever let go of you. So I'm walking in front of him and he's following me and we're getting in and he's in person filled with awe and wonder of all the things of life and his newfound freedom and I'm a type A let's get to our seat now type of person and those things don't work together well so I'm like you know like charging up with our tickets in hand we're going in that door we're gonna go and everyone's like life is beautiful and he's following me, and the distance between us is getting further and further. And I'm like, come on, come on, buddy, come on. I'm like, as long as he can hear my voice, like like the good shepherd, he will always know where his father is. And I'm like, come on, buddy. Like, let's, let's now? No, 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 now. And then I see him just walking the entire different direction because we got so far apart that he could see my head a little bit, but he found somebody else that kind of reasonably resembles me. Not at all. I wasn't offended. Uh, and he just started following him the other way. And I realized as a parent, this is on me, and I'm being real, like, please don't call anyone. Uh, this is on the internet. Oh, great. Um, I was like, Everett, and he snapped out of it, and he ran over, and 
and it was great. But I started thinking about this verse in Psalm 37. The Lord directs the step of the godly. And, and my, my, my thought, my pondering, my meditation for 2018 is, is how closely am I following Jesus? You know, earlier this year, we threw out vision statements, mission statements, any of those things at the church. And we just, all, our, our master game plan here is following Jesus one step at a time. But I can choose to follow him up close or I can choose to follow him at a distance. See, when I follow him up close, actually, Seb, why don't you come up here? I'm going to show you this. I'm going to follow Seb because he's an easy guy to follow, mainly because of his height. Yeah, just keep walking back and forth a little bit. If you could all, yeah, that's exactly. Uh, okay, go for it. Work it. The point is, and Seb's not helping in one. <laughs> He'll sit down, give him a round of applause. That was terrible. The point is, when I'm following close to Seb, I can see the way that he's walking, and I can see his mannerisms, I can see his pace, I can see his steps, and so I can track with him because I'm up close, and I can see even the way that he, you know, I mean, his head is worried about these things, mine or not, I can see the way he, you know, adjusts for the, for the situation and for the circumstance, and I can do the same thing, I can kind of jerk, the further back I get, I can still see him, I can still see the general direction, but the further ahead he gets, I can't see how he's handling the every day. I can't see how he's handling the little steps. So I'm still following him. I'm still moving his way. I mean, I might be easily distracted every once in a while like Everett and just follow this guy for a little bit, but I know that I hear his voice and I'm going to come right back on steps. So my goal, my pondering is how closely can I follow Jesus in 2018? Because I wonder if some of the, the bumps and the hiccups and in, in, in the, the wind and the waves in 2017 were maybe a result of me not being close enough. Now, it's not, this is not like just get close in its work base. I'm not trying to talk about that. But what I am trying to illustrate is something very practical. That if I'm following right, right behind Jesus and if he's a physical person and if there's an obstacle in my way, if I'm right behind him, he walks in front, figures out the path, climbs over it, walks forward, and keeps moving. So all I do is do what he did, juke, step, walk, move. I've been playing 2K18 NBA. <laughs> It's translating to my natural form. And um, <laughs> But if I'm close, I can see the way that he's handled the things in, in, in front. And so I don't have to figure it out because he already did. All I have to do is do what he did. All I have to do is step, step, walk, move around. I don't even have to think about it. I just got to think about following Jesus. If he's like, okay, we're going to climb up here, go here, step right, go over here, move like this. I'm like, okay, let's just do that. And I just follow him and I, we move quickly and I just respond to his movements. So when I'm walking through the journey and obstacles, obstacles come, I don't even realize that I'm hitting obstacles. I'm just following Jesus. I'm just following the pathway. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about the roadblock because he already made a way. He's the way maker. All I have to do is follow him. He's got the plan. He's got the strategy. He's He's, he's got it on lockdown. We get in trouble when we let the distance come in close. And then he's up there. And I'm like, okay, I'll be there in just a second. And something comes in front of us. And we're like, no. He's getting away. I don't know how to get around. 
Well, the practical solution is if I would have stayed close, I would have seen the way around. So then I do everything I can to push. I do everything I can to pull. I do everything to wiggle my way through this thing. I'm like, how do I get out of it? Now, the amazing thing is that he's faithful. And he always comes back around, and he always is standing on the other side, calling us forward. And when we can't figure it out, when it was really just like, bro, just walk around, he'll come up and he'll even lift the boulder out of the way because that's just the type of person that he is. That's Jesus. That's the Jesus that I know and I love, that he's faithful and he's true. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. He says, those who put their trust in me will never be disgraced. And so if I walk closer to him, I'm not even going to worry about the stumbles and the stones and the stuff because they are going to come. The last part of Psalm 37, 23 and verse 24 says it like this. Though they stumble, they will never fall. Notice it doesn't say if they stumble. It says though, meaning even though. Also translated when you stumble. Can we go into 2018 with our eyes wide open understanding that there are going to be obstacles, there are going to be roadblocks? Sometimes I think we're blindsided because we're living in a dream world. We just choose not to see what's happening around us. Then we're like, whoa, where did that come from? It came from right here where it's been the whole time. And in fact, the Bible didn't say there's going to be no problems. It says when the problems come, you may stumble, but you will never fall. For the hand of the Lord, or for the Lord holds you by your hand. And he guides you through. When you stumble, you will not fall. You will stumble. You will skin your knee. Thank God we know the healer. There will be difficulties. There will be challenge. See, we live in a world right now where all we want to do is hack the system. There's got to be a faster way. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a shortcut that I can take to get from here to there. Can I tell you that anytime you try and hack the system, the system is just hacking you. There is no shortcut. There is no shorter way. There is a process, and there's a process for a reason because it's called the process. It's turning you into the person that can handle the thing at the next stage. If you short-circuit it, you won't be able to carry it. Your character has to be able to carry the calling that God's place on your life. If you short-circuit it, if you try and shortcut it, all you're doing is cutting your legs out from under you, and you will stumble. Now, thank God you won't fall, but you will stumble. Lord directs the steps of the godly. All we do is take one step, follow Jesus, one step at a time. How close am I following Jesus this year? That's my goal. How close can I follow Jesus this year? I want to see his moves. I want to see how he handles it because that teaches me something. It teaches me how to handle it so that when I go through this on my own, when it comes up, I just know what to do instinctively because I follow the master, the author, the finisher, perfecter, my faith. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes all across this place. Jesus is here to meet you exactly where you're at so that he can start this journey with you today so he can lead you into a brighter tomorrow. So if you're here today and you say, wow, I've been living 
living my life stumbling through just trying to figure out which way to go. Nobody told me that there was this shining light, a beacon of hope named Jesus who's leading me from glory to glory, from thing to thing, from stage to stage. You might even be feeling like you're, you're just like lost, just wandering, trying to figure it all out. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to trust. So if you're here today and you'd like to start that journey with Jesus from today, from this moment forward, you might be doing it for the first time. You might be doing it for like the 32nd time, but you're like, I'm starting my journey with Jesus today. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I'm going to count down from three. And when I get to one, you want to follow Jesus. Even though you might not know all of what that means, you're just like, I just need this. Just give me a wave when I get down to one. All across this room, church families praying for you because we've all been there. We've all been in your shoes. We've all been in the spot where we had to decide if this was our time to follow Jesus. So while I count, while the church is praying, let's get ready to give me a wave at one. Here we go. You want to follow Jesus. You want to start your journey today. Give me a wave. Three, two, one. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. Would you all repeat this prayer after me if you feel comfortable? Loud, proud. Turn the volume up, volume up on it. Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, need you I need you right now. Right now. My journey starts now. My journey starts now. Today. Today. This moment. This moment. I'm following you. I'm following you. So right now. I give you my wins, give you my losses, give you my sins, give you my successes. It's all yours. I'm following you. You're the boss. You're the king. You're in charge. Your way, not my way. I'm following you. Jesus, I receive you now into my life. That's my Lord, my Lord and my Savior. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give me a big round of applause for those who prayed that prayer. For the first time, 30 second time, a thousand second time. 